Hello, and welcome to the Body and Food Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston, trauma-informed mental health social worker, psychotherapist, and nutritionist. I'm the creator of the Body and Food Freedom Project, a women's group focused on helping women make peace with food and their bodies. I know firsthand how dieting, food restriction, and body shame can steal our joy and have us playing small in our own lives. But I also know the freedom and liberation that comes with breaking free from diet culture, making peace with food, and learning to respect our bodies. Follow along as I speak with you and my guests about concepts including shame, self-compassion, intuitive eating, body image healing, and all things trauma, mental health, and therapy. I'm so happy to have you here. Grab a cup of tea and your headphones and let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Body and Food Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston. Um, And today we're talking about shame, which is probably not surprising to anybody. Um, But stay tuned because I think think you're going to learn something. Um, Before I jump in, I wanted to just reminder to my listeners that my next BFF group starts February 21st. 2022. Um, So definitely it's not far away. And something that I am considering because it's been requested is to develop a BFF graduate program, which I think might be like monthly sessions, you know, because I think as we'll talk about today, the sense of community that's developed over the 16 weeks is just so amazing and supportive. And when you're doing work that not everyone around you is going to understand, it's nice to have that that space ongoingly. And so that is in the works. I also have a couple other things um, that I'm super excited to share with you soon. Um, So stay tuned for that. But like I said, today I wanted to talk about shame, but I also want to talk about what helps with shame. And a huge part of that is being in community. And that means a safe community. Um, you know, being with people who you feel like really sees you. Um, and so let's just jump right in. So the first thing is every time I talk about shame, I like to start with Brene Brown's definition. And so I don't think Brene Brown needs any introduction, but she's a researcher at the University of Houston. She's written multiple books. And so her definition is shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And so it is an emotion that affects all of us. I believe it's probably the most toxic emotion that we can experience as humans. And, you know, something I was thinking about in preparing for this episode is no one comes to me for therapy or books, a discovery call for my group work saying, Vanessa, I feel lots of shame and I need help with it. It usually comes out in a different language. It's Vanessa, I don't know. I feel like there's something wrong with me. I feel like I'm broken. I don't feel enough. I don't feel 
lovable or worthy, you know, or it, it shows up so much of certain mental health issues that I see. Shame is a big part of what's underlying it. Not the only thing, like one of the things I often say is it's never one thing. Okay. I really have an appreciation for the complexity in things, but you know, when, when I hear people speak about their anxiety or their depression or their post-traumatic stress disorder or their eating disorder or their body image struggles, shame is something that's a common denominator in most of those things. And so it's why I talk about it so much. And, you know, in terms of something I want to share on social media, so jump there. Um, I'll I'll share it on Facebook and Instagram, but it's a graphic that um, I learned years ago at a nonprofit agency at one of their professional developments. And the graphic, I think, really helps to spell out the difference between guilt and shame. And so guilt is a feeling of remorse and responsibility. It helps us make repairs such as talking through things or apologizing. And it also can help us understand when we've acted against our value system. Whereas shame labels our whole human selves as, like I said before, I'm bad. I'm not enough. There's something just innately wrong with me. And I know this isn't like easy to to hear or talk about, but one shame thought that I hear all the time with body stuff is I'm disgusting. That is a shame-based thought and story. And so with when we're in a place of shame, which we'll talk about more as we tend to disconnect and isolate um, and, and, like I said, it can lead to certain mental health struggles and it does not motivate change. Shaming ourselves does not create change. It might create short-term change, but it's, it's rooted in fear and it's rooted often in anxiety. And usually the changes are not sustained. And so we can't shame ourselves into a better body image, for example. And so the graphic that I would like to share is you know, the, it's, it's like an illustration of guilt and it says under it, I made a mistake. And it's this like person with a suitcase and the suitcase is outlined, right? So it's like the guilt is in the suitcase. It's fairly contained, you know, but with the shame on the other side, it says, I am the mistake. And the whole, the outline is around the whole human person, And it does, it's just a nice visual. And so, like I said, I'll share it on social media. Um, And and, and like I said, the guilt says I made a mistake. So it's based on the behavior and shame is I am the mistake. So it's that belief that there's something that we're inadequate in some way. Um, You might hear my papers rustling again. (laughs) I feel like I could talk about this stuff in my sleep, but I always like to have a little bit of an outline so I don't just like go off on tangents on you all. Um, But okay, so what does shame need to grow? Shame needs secrecy, silence, judgment, isolation. And so that's the tricky thing about shame is it convinces us we're not worthy of connection. So therefore we isolate, we judge ourselves. We keep things that we're ashamed of secret. And the irony is that helps it grow. 
you know, and something I thought worth going over is the way that shame can sort of show up in your life. And I did find a, a, a really good article and I'll put this in the show notes of where some of this is coming from. Um, but people who live with shame often avoid relationships, vulnerability, and community. And, you know, I'll read what it says here. Research shows that shame leads people to hide and self-conceal. People feel ashamed, so they hide from community and friendships, and they avoid vulnerability and never share their true selves with the world. And this is part of what I think can be intimidating about group work is Vanessa, you don't understand. Like, I can't share this stuff. I'm so ashamed of this stuff. I haven't shared this with my close friends, you know, and, and, and you're so, you're believing that you're so alone in your experience and whether that's, you know, feeling like every single diet you've been on, you fail, or whether that's hiding your emotional eating or binge eating, I've been there or whether it's, you know, not engaging in certain things because of the body shame, I have been there. And so I think this is maybe a part that I can help address, you know, for you of like shame and the the benefit of a community. And so people will, like I said, avoid relationships. Um, people who live with lots of shame are also prone to suppressing their emotions. And so this is particularly true for women. Um, so people who feel ashamed of, again, I'm reading from this article. So people who feel ashamed of who they are or ashamed of something that happened to them often keep their thoughts and feelings wrapped up inside. And that makes total, total sense because one of the things that we need in order to shift our shame, that not good enough voice is vulnerability. And that means opening up a little bit. And that shit can be scary. The very definition is exposed, you know, is risking emotional exposure. And so I get it. Vulnerability can feel quite intimidating, especially if you grew up in a home where emotions weren't talked about, or maybe it was only anger that was, you know, modeled in your home. And so maybe it really is that like, well, I have shame for my emotions, which I see all the time in therapy. Um, so people who live with shame are less likely to take healthy risk. Um, so one way that shame has been conceptualized is as a defense against being devalued by others. And so shame keeps people from making decisions that would lead others to devalue them. And sometimes this leads to avoiding healthy risk. So people who deal with shame sometimes only make decisions about jobs, relationships, and schools that they feel certain will end well because we sit with the belief that if my decisions don't end well, then I'm a failure and I and people will see that I'm a failure. That's, that's the shame intertwined in this stuff. And then people who live with shame are more likely to relapse back into problem behaviors and so research shows that people who struggle with alcoholism, for example, are more likely to relapse back into drinking if they experience shame. This is also a huge part of our relationship with food is we have 
given food and we've been taught to give food a moral value. So certain foods are good and certain foods are bad. And then whether we are aware of it or not, often we then internalize it that if I eat the bad foods, then I'm bad. Or if I eat too much, then I'm bad. If I binge eat, I'm bad. I'm useless. What's wrong with me? And so again, this is why shame and shame resiliency is such a big part of my group program because we we really can't address some of the behaviors that show up with body image and that show up with food without doing some shame work. And so this is true for, you know, not just the food and body stuff, but things like substance abuse, things like compulsive behaviors, like gambling addictions, and also things like workaholics, you know, like, I don't like that word, but, you know, people who overwork or people who overexercise, you know, I think that can be more accepted by society because people just go like, oh, you're so disciplined or, oh, you know, you're so driven and motivated, but really that that behavior can sometimes be rooted in shame because the fear is if I don't perform well enough in this area, then again, I'm a failure. And so I just, yeah, thought that was worth going through. Like I said, that's from an article that I cannot remember the author's name, but I will 100% share it in the show notes. Um, and so the good news with shame is it is shiftable it is possible to reduce this. It is normal to feel it to some degree. And so what is the anecdote, right? Like, what do we need to shift that feeling and those thoughts that come with it and those stories that we're telling ourselves? Remember, I'm not good enough. Brene Brown says it comes, you know, shame plays two tapes. One is I'm not good enough. And two is who do you think you are? And so the anecdote for this is vulnerability, empathy, compassion, and disclosure and connection. And so really take that in of what that means. That means in order to shift the shame, we really need to be able to open up in a safe place with a safe person. And something worth noting with vulnerability is that comes with boundaries. And so reducing shame through vulnerability that might look like this, sharing on a public platform on social media, something deeply, deeply personal that, that there's shame around without really thinking through what's the purpose of sharing? What am I hoping to get from this? Is there a different forum that would be more helpful? And so I definitely think sharing stories on social media can be helpful, but healthy vulnerability would have boundaries around that and would have, that would be thoughtful, not impulsive. Um, and I think too, it would be an area where you've done some healing around before, you know, like I said, throwing it out into such a public setting. Um, so something to think about with vulnerability. Um empathy, right? Really trying to understand what, what is it like for um, not just other people to walk in their shoes, so to speak, but I think too, having empathy and compassion for ourselves. Um, if you haven't listened to the self-compassion episode yet, I would go back. I think it's like episode maybe two or three. Um, it's just called what is self-compassion. So that's a key part again of the BFF program. 
Um, and, and of course, disclosure and connection, which um, again is, is such an important part of shifting this of, and I see this all the time. And this is honestly like, this is honestly what makes my heart so happy with the group work that I do is you're not just hearing it from me as a therapist, for example, you're actually hearing other people's stories. And there is so much power in that because it's, I've seen it. I, I know the facial expressions that come up when people have this re reality sort of set in of, I am not alone. You mean you struggle with this too? Oh my gosh, the way you said that is exactly how I think in my head. You know, so it's, it, there is such power in community. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that I work in my group that I think might be like, again, some of this stuff's tricky to get across in a real in-depth way in a podcast, but, you know, we develop a shame resiliency practice. And so there's some worksheets in the, in the book that I give my participants and, um, yeah. And, and like I said, it's, I'm going to take a drink. Sorry, guys, <laughs> guys, girls, I'm trying to use less gendered language. But I grew up saying, hey, guys, so much that's just ingrained. So I'm trying. Um, but anyway, so shame resiliency practice is something that we work on really throughout the whole program. We're tweaking it. We're understanding. We're adding to it. But I want to share what Brene Brown's work says that a shame resiliency practice needs to have. So one is recognizing signs of your shame and understanding your triggers for it. Um, that helps a lot, just like anything else. If we can recognize what it is and externalize it, which almost means like pretend it's outside of us and we're kind of looking at it. So Brene Brown calls it her shame gremlins. I think that's a perfect metaphor. This is the same if you experience anxiety. It's sort of like, let's look at Mr. Anxiety almost like, like we would on Inside Out. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but almost like shame or anxiety is just one of those characters. It's not you. And so really understanding that, recognizing, okay, this is a shame response right now. What tends to trigger this feeling for me? Um, and then another one is like just an awareness and, and understanding that shame is shaped, that, that inner critic voice is shaped through our culture, through our interpersonal function, through our family of origins. Um, and so understanding a bit about the, the, the awareness, like I said, of that, that shame is, it serves a function, but it also comes from these like external systems. Um, the other part of the shame resiliency practice is reaching out to others to share your story and giving voice to feelings of shame, right? Because what we know is, like I've said, shame gets much of its power from the element of secrecy. And so I know this has been a bit of a short and sweet <laughs> Um, episode, but it's just something that I think, even if you're familiar with, a review is always helpful. Um, and so, again, shifting shame, you know, you could read any of Brene Brown's books. 
Um, and if you're interested in working with me, reach out to me on Instagram or our website. See you next episode. Thanks for listening. And I hope today's episode has been helpful. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and take a second to give me a five-star review on iTunes. That really helps get this message out to other women who need it. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Green Life Psychology. You can click in the link in the Instagram bio to learn more about the Body and Food Freedom Project my 16-week online program where I teach and facilitate sessions live. Have a great week and I'll see you at the next episode.